Welcome to ShareHouse, where you'll discover tips, trends, and takeaways from top product and e-commerce experts. We'll talk about it all, from product design to product sales, e-commerce to retail, and operations to marketing. Join your hosts, Emerson Hammer and Russell Steed. Welcome back to the ShareHouse podcast, the one place where you're going to learn about all things e-commerce, whether you're just getting started out or you're a billion trillion dollar business trying to figure out e-commerce. This is where you're going to level up your skills and uh, basically take your business or your personal skills to the next level. So today we're going to be diving into SEO with Jeff Oxford. Uh, Jeff is a master when it comes to uh, SEO. He focuses on e-commerce businesses, so he knows the industry super, super well. Um, Jeff is a good buddy with one of our previous guests, Josh Raw. And uh, these guys just, they know what they're talking about. They've been in the industry. Jeff is one of the founders at 180 Marketing. And uh, really his focus on SEO, especially within the e-commerce space, kind of sheds new light into me, for me specifically and and personally uh, with my own businesses that uh, that I haven't really considered before and kind of things that I can do personally within SEO and uh, how we, I can leverage an agency or do you know do what I need to do on my own. So without further ado, uh, Jeff, do you mind giving us a quick intro to yourself and kind of the stuff that you've been up to recently? Yeah, so I um, my name is Jeff Oxford. I've been doing e-commerce SEO for about the last 10 years. I, I run a company called 180 Marketing. The website's 180marketing.com. And uh, we do SEO, but we only do it for e-commerce sites. You know, we we made a strategic decision that we want to be the best in the world at one thing, and that one thing turned out to be e-commerce SEO. So we don't do paid search, we don't do email, we everything, every aspect of our company is just built around cracking the code of Google and getting e-commerce sites to rank better in search results. That's awesome. awesome. That's like amazing and, and niche right there. I feel like most most agencies are kind of trying to be broad and you guys niche down a little bit. What kind of made you guys want to niche into SEO? Like, what's, Is there like a passion for SEO or something like that then? Yeah, so like I, my background is around SEO. Like as soon as I heard, back in like 2010, as soon as I heard you can make money online through like you know Google AdSense and affiliate marketing and that you could use free traffic to, to do it, I, I was hooked. And I just, I was, I was like, my brain was a sponge. I became hyper obsessed trying to grab as much information about SEO as I could. And um, my one of my first projects, you know, I, I recently graduated college and um, I wanted to get my hands dirty. So I started a drop shipping store. And you know, I just graduated college, so the first product I thought of was beer pong tables. So you know, <laughs> beer pong being Classic a popular college. game, yeah. so, exactly something yeah. I had had some experience with. So I started a, a, a beer pong drop shipping site. I I only used SEO as my traffic generation, and um, I eventually got that site ranking top three for beer pong tables and a lot oh. of other big keywords. And then I eventually sold that one off to a manufacturer. Hmm. Well, wow, that's, awesome. that's interesting. Uh, sales channel selling companies to manufacture. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was it was definitely a, a lower sale. It wasn't you know the, the beer pong market isn't <laughs> as big as you think, so it's it's nothing <laughs> to write home about. But you know, when when you're in your early twenties and you get a, if you know thousands of dollars extra cash, it can be kind of be nice. Yeah, and that's like that's an amazing. an early win in your career that like kind of I'm sure whetted the appetite for future endeavors. <laughs> You're you're absolutely right, which will bring me to my my next endeavor, which um, I, you know I had all this momentum from from the beer pong website. I learned a lot of mistakes, and you know of course SEO was my bread and butter, and I was working at the time 
full-time um, as an SEO uh, project manager and then worked my way up to actually managing an SEO department. Um, so, you know, I'd work all day, work doing SEO for clients, then I come home, I open my laptop back up, um, start doing SEO for my own sites. And my next site, I sold 3D printers online. And these, you know, these were higher-end um, products. The ticket was between two and $3,000. And I was good at getting traffic. I was not as good at screening for credit card fraud. So <laughs> within about the first 30 days, the site going up, I, I thought I made $30,000. The, the next month I got hit with a whole bunch of charge chargebacks. Uh, I had already spent all the money on the manufacturer shipping the products to customers, but I lost like 25 of that 30,000. So oh my, my, my net oh loss my on that site was uh, about, about, yeah, around 20 to 25,000. And it mm -hmm. just put such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done with e-commerce and drop shipping. I love SEO. I'm just gonna go all in on the SEO consulting for e-commerce. Dude, that is a wild fraud story. I haven't heard anything like that that yeah, massive. That is, that is insane. It, these guys were good. I was like, I, you know, I made <laughs> sure the 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 credit card address matched the shipping address, but they were still, I guess, they're intercepting credit cards and getting the addresses changed. So these were some mm. top level credit card thieves, and and I ended up paying the price. Oh, those freaking rascals! Yeah, well, that that makes sense. I haven't heard anything like that. Especially with like higher ticket items, you know, that I could see them really going after you and being. Yeah, they're, they're not story. really blinking an eye at the beer pong niche. They're, they're going after mm -hmm. the, the bigger cost products. Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome, like just diversity of like you have the experience in the product based business. So you've had the successes and the failures and understand those pain points and, and the joys, I guess, of having a product based business and then taking that knowledge of SEO and training to a service. So I thought that, that probably gives you a pretty good advantage. I'll be able to, since you've ran a product-based business, to understand those the SEO intricacies and, and whatnot. Um, maybe did you start so out? Like, did you start out um, doing SEO for just e-commerce businesses, or were you um, more broad than that? So my my very first experience with SEO was um, trying to get AdSense, build build a blog with, and try to monetize with AdSense, um, and you know I. Me and my, my roommate, he was huge into, fan, into baseball and fantasy baseball. Um, and so he would write all the content. I, would, I built the website. I'd do all the SEO. And, and, and you know, we were a team together. And we were spending like 30 or 40 hours on this thing a week. And after all that work, we were, our, our, after three months, we were able to get 100 bucks in ad revenue that we had to split in half. So I'm like, Jesus, like you need so much traffic to make money with AdSense. Like I want to, mm -hmm. I want money faster. So that's what kind of led me to drop shipping with the beer pong tables. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's amazing. Well, can you give you a bit of background between me and Russell? Me and marketers usually don't get along. So I always get frustrated with them messing my forecast or something like that. <laughs> um, but so people that are kind of like me, not very marketing uh, savvy, can you kind of go over like SEO, what it is, um, how it works? So just like high level overview. Of yeah, we'll, we'll start at the tip of the iceberg and we'll go, we'll go down just a teeny bit. We'll, we'll keep things kosher. So um, search engine optimization is basically getting your website and your web pages to rank higher in Google. So it's, it's pretty much a linear process for the mo most part. Um, step one is usually find the keywords that you want to rank for. Um, you know, you, and you, there's a variety of tools you can use to, to accomplish this, but you want to find keywords that your customers are actually searching for. I've seen many times where someone, like they're so proud of this, uh, that they rank, like, oh, I rank number one for 
um, you know, a product that no one's even heard of and no one's searching for. Well, you can rank number one all day, but if no one searches for that keyword, it's really not going to do any good for your business. So you want to find keywords that people are actually searching for. Then the next step is, um, you know, optimizing your website for those keywords. So you're going to put them, you know, in the title, the title tag, which, uh, you know, if when if you have, if you use Chrome and it has tabs, the text that shows up at the top of the tab, that's your title tag. It's one of the most important on-page ranking factors. You want to have your keyword in, in the meta description and then the header tag on the page itself. You want to have the keyword in the, the body content. So, you know, Google relies on content to understand what a page is about. So making sure you have some content on the page can really help SEO. So that's kind of that's kind of the, the overview of your, your on-page SEO approach. But what really differentiated Google from the other search engines, if we go back 20 years, is they they put a lot of weight into other sites linking to you. So one of the biggest ranking factors is Google looks at how many other websites are linking to your website. And it's basically like votes of confidence. If a site's linking to you, there must be a reason for it. They're kind of vouching for you in some type of way. So Google looks at at that to see you know, how trustworthy is your site. If you have lots of links from sites like you know New York Times, Huffington Post, um, et cetera, that's going to really help you rank better in search engines, where if you don't really have anyone linking to you, it's going to be a lot harder for Google to rank your website. So basically you're, I'll not say word dump is probably a word, wrong word, but you're basically trying to create, you, you, you find your niche of a word you want to uh, capitalize on essentially and try to put that as much as it makes sense, I guess, throughout your page, your content creation to help you rank. And then you're bringing in other sources to bring credibility to your pages. Exactly. Or dumb, dumb guy, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's sweet. Russ knows a lot more about marketing than I do. So I think Russ probably have like better questions than I do on this. So I'll probably let Russ take a couple of other no, questions no. to dive in, dive in deep. No, For you, me, I feel like, oh, I understood it. That's it. But I'm sure there's more intricacies. You're, you're ready. I'm, I'm sure, sure you can start working as an SEO now if you want. I'm in. I got it. <laughs> Emerson, is, Emerson is the uh, SEO specialist now. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I guess kind of some of my questions uh, for you are, so I, like you said, going back 20 years, SEO was pretty rudimentary, fairly, fairly simple. I remember I was in high school at the time and I had some buddies that like, oh yeah, no, um, in order to rank well, you just put the word 500 times at the bottom of the page and you're going to rank super well. And it's like, man, is it that easy? And then, you know, it's definitely become way more sophisticated over the past 15, 20 years. Um, I'm sure even since, you know, 20, I think you said 2010 is when you really started getting into the mm -hmm. SEO game. Um, I'm sure it's changed quite a bit. So to, on that note, what's kind of like the newest stuff? It's always changing. And I mean, that's the kind of disclaimer. Mm -hmm. SEO is always changing. There's always some new stuff that, that you kind of need to stay on top of. And that's why I never became an SEO expert is because it was just one of those things that like I knew something. And then a year later, I'm like, is that even relevant anymore? So what's kind of like the, the most up-to-date um, kind of like the biggest factors is it still are they the backlinks are they still the meta tags like what are the if if a brand is coming in and they don't hire an agency to help them out what are kind of like the first the, the top three things that they need to look at and and really to get a good base on their seo yeah and it can kind of boil down to a few few buckets you have on-page seo stuff you have your content and you have your link building so on the on-page SEO side, you want to make sure your site is SEO friendly. And, and the good news is most major e-commerce um, platforms now are pretty SEO friendly out of the box. Um, I'd say the, the mo my, my recommendation is either going to be Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, or Magento. Those are kind of been the mm -hmm. most battle tested. 
Um, Magento usually isn't as SEO friendly out of the box, but there's some extensions you can get like Mageworks SEO extension that um, will make, you know, that alone will kind of bring it up to speed with the other cards SEO wise. Um, so that that should resolve like that, you know, if, if, you, if you're on one of those cards, you don't have to worry as much about technical issues. It's gonna kind of have that handled for you. That, you know, something like Volution or Yahoo stores, you know, heaven forbid, you, you might run into issues with those kind of more outdated cards. Um, you know, on the the keyword side, kind of talk when I back before. You know, find what keywords people are looking for. Make sure you have pages for those keywords. So, you know, for example, let's say you sell um, uh, what's it? What, what's a good product? Like, let's say you sell uh, laptops. Um, you know, it, a lot of people are searching cheap laptops. It might make sense to have like either a clearance page or laptops under a thousand page, so you can capitalize on other people searching cheap laptops, laptops under a thousand. So that's one example of making sure you have pages that your customers are actually searching for, and then use those keywords on the page itself to rank for it. Uh, then so on for the, example, in Shopify, if you create like a collection page, would that be enough? Or does it need to be like a landing page with content, like actual, like not a blog article or anything like that, but does it need to have more than just the title saying that? Yeah, I mean, you, I think the the past least resistance is just create a collection page, you know, have the title, have the products on there. You know, that's going to be, at least you can get something up and running. But I guess the, the best answer to that is whatever is going to have the, the best user experience and the best conversion rates. I, I think in most cases, that'd probably be a category or collection page, but there might be times you want to hire a designer, make a really beautiful flushed out page. But again, that's more work, you know, better to get something up than spend a whole bunch of time trying to get something perfect. Yeah. How does, um, for SEO in supply chain, I try to do like a one and done. I set it up and I let it do its thing. Mm -hmm. Is SEO something like that where you create a product page, you create your, your listings and you write the, the script and copyright for that page. And then you kind of wipe your hands clean of that. Or is there like ongoing maintenance or, or something like that that yeah. you have to do? Is there a one and done kind of yeah, that, system? That's a really good question. The on-page SEO is mostly one and done. Once you fix all the technical issues and the, you know, any crawling issues with the site, you don't have to keep redoing that. It's been done. Once you've optimized the website and you found the best keywords and you built the pages and you optimize those pages, that's pretty much done. Sure, there might be a little fine tuning, but you know, you're ninety-five percent of the value is pretty much done with that first fail, that first pass. Um, and then the ongoing part comes from content creation and link building. So uh, content creation, you know, that's basically you know, you can do some blogging. You know, find what questions your customers have and try to answer them and where your product is the solution they're looking for. So that can help drive more traffic and revenue. Um, you know, a lot of articles like, um, so we'll stick with the laptops example. You know, writing an article about, you know, best laptops for computer programmers, best laptops for students, best lap, anything that has best in it usually has some types of purchasing intent and they're more likely to purchase than if you just had an article like, what is a laptop? You know, if someone's searching what is a laptop, they're, they're probably not ready to purchase one just yet. Um, also, comparison articles can work well, like, you know, Dell XPS 15 versus Alienware, whatever model they have. You know, if someone's looking at a comparison, they kind of narrow it down to two and they just want to nudge in either direction. So those kind of articles can rank really well. So I think content creation is, is really good for just, you know, it serves two purposes. One, it allows you to target more keywords, drive more traffic, drive more revenue. But it also builds up uh, what we call topical authority. And Russell, you were asking, like, what are some of the latest and greatest, you know, developments in SEO? Um, in the last 12 months, one thing that a lot of us in the SEO industry are talking about is something called topical authority, which in short is 
how many questions does your website answer on a particular topic? You know, if you have a lot of content about, um, you know, how laptops work, parts of a laptop, um, history of laptop, like everything about laptops, the more questions you answer about laptops, Google's going to be like, oh, this site is an authority on laptops. Look at all this great content they have on laptops. Look at all these great questions they, they answer on laptops. And that right there, it will have a, you know, we, we've seen case studies of sites that rank extremely well without any backlinks just because they nailed topical authority. So um, on the ongoing part, blogging is good. And then um, the last piece is link building. Your competitors are always getting backlinks. You pretty much have to you know, acquire backlinks to your site, otherwise you're gonna fall behind. And you can do this through content marketing. You can create really good, insightful articles. You can do, you know, maybe you, you survey your customers and create like a, um, some interesting statistics and data. Um, maybe you create an infographic and you promote that. So content marketing can be a great way to get backlinks. Doing product reviews is great for e-commerce sites. Just send your product to some bloggers, have them review it. And in that review, they usually include a link back. You can, and you can also do guest posting. Maybe you find a relevant website, you write an article on them. And since you're the one writing the article, you can include links going back to your site. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the TLDR of, uh, you know, some of it's, the on-page SEO set and forget it for the most part, but the ongoing part is going to be content and link building. So yeah, I take it you're just or all day pretty much, huh? You just keep writing and writing, or how does that how does that work? You, are you just like a script writer? It it depends on the size of the site. So like we have some clients and that are massive catalogs. We're talking like tens of thousands of pages, you know, hundreds of category pages. So for that, you're, you're, you know, the, the on-page SEO process isn't just, you know, uh, a month or two that can be kind of ongoing. So you're continuously going deeper and deeper in the website, optimizing more pages, but for the smaller sites, you're absolutely correct. Once we get the whole site optimized, how we like it, really most of our focus is just going to go towards link building and then content development. Um, going back to that topical authority, that's, that's something that I personally haven't heard a ton about. Um, but you said it's kind of one of those things that are becoming more and more uh, of a discussion. Um, would you say the best way for a brand to be able to implement more and, and create that topical authority, would it be through a blog? Like is, let's take just an e-commerce store which is who you focus on e-commerce store selling laptops specifically is it in their blog that it's going to they're going to be able to manage most of that or is are they i guess is there a good way to do it on product pages or even collection pages like have you seen a good way to integrate that throughout the website or do you rely heavily on the on the blog side yeah so with i mean on look at a product category and blog post. So on a product page, you'll probably want to have some FAQ content about that product. And I'm sure every single product will have questions. There'll be some questions someone might have. So answering those questions on the content can really help on the product level. And not just from an SEO standpoint, that, but that's probably also going to help with conversion rates as well. Um, on the category page, uh, I always caution people not to go too heavy with content on category pages. Um, you know, There's been a lot of correlation studies that have found the more, the larger the word count, the better a page ranks. So you'll see on some sites, they're literally dumping an article onto the bottom of their category page and calling it a day. Um, but correlation is not always causation. And in fact, having too much content on a category page can work against you because a category page, it has a transactional intent. Someone's looking to make a transaction and purchase something. Uh, typically an article has more of an informational intent. They're trying to learn something. So if you have a category page with an article, 
it can sometimes confuse Google of what's the purpose of this page. Should I rank this page for transactional keywords like buy laptop online or should I rank it for more informational keywords? So um, typically category pages is not the best place to, to go for this type of topical authority. Um, you know, product, product related FAQs, yes. And then on blog posts, that's where most of your, your question answers are probably gonna live. As you're talking about all this stuff, my mind just goes to, this is why we call it the web. Like there is so much stuff just tying in together and it'll be interesting to see like a wireframe of everything connecting through the internet. Cause I feel it's just like this person's referencing you here, you're here, yeah. this is doing that. And just like all the little things that everything connecting that has to be like a master layout for it all to kind of flow correctly. Like It's all in Google's supercomputers. <laughs> yeah, well, what you do, what you're describing and envisioning, Google actually has that. That's called the uh, the knowledge graph. And what's scary is Google knows, you know, they, they know every entity that, you know, if, if you see if someone has a Wikipedia page, they they're probably a known entity on Google's uh, knowledge graph. And take someone like Michael Jordan. They know he played for the Chicago Bulls. They know how tall he is. They know he's a person. You know, they know who his wife is and who his kids are. And Google's gotten so good at scraping content from pages, and they have PhDs who are, you know, working on extracting um, information from content that they're they're trying to almost replicate the real world virtually by understanding the relationship between anything and everything. So nuts! So nuts! Yeah, that's that's, that's crazy. So much data. <laughs> um, the funny thing is, a quick side note though, so I got my degree in physics and I remember reading a bunch of papers on how Google is actually probably one of the biggest contenders for supercomputers and how they are teaming up with NASA on building this, you know, a quantum computer and yada, yada, yada. And it's when you, you're like, wait, wait but Google, like, you know, supercomputers, quantum computing, like the kind of the forefront, the bleeding edge of technology. But they need it because they, like you said, they they're putting everything together. They they're databasing like the entire internet. They've got all of the you know the web all coming together. So it's that's and that's how they have such a great algorithm. And that's probably why they've risen to the top as far as um, search engines because they were way more sophisticated than any of the other search engines back 20 years ago. And they've kind of kept that lead. Would you agree with that, that they, they still are the number one and they are more sophisticated than, than many of the other? I, I would say so. I think they've done a really good job of not coasting or plateauing, and they've constantly been in, in reinvesting a lot, a lot, a lot into their algorithm. I was just checking the other day, um, as it stands right now, Bing's market share is only about 3%. Google's oh, is geez. about 97% in the U.S. So <laughs> they've they've been able to grow their market share. They're not kind of sitting back on their laurels. They're doubling down. And, you know, I'm, I've nerded out. I've read some of the, the latest patents that Google's coming out with. And it's mind-boggling the type of technology they're developing and continuing continue to push the edge. That's nice. Yeah, That's definitely. Nice. They're, definitely. They're, they're kind of like the, the dark horse, even though they're like the biggest. You know, you, everybody talks about Amazon and Facebook and Apple, and they're fighting with each other, and then Google's mm -hmm. just doing it. They're just, yeah. they're just going. <laughs> Yeah, they're 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 chilling, and and they they also own YouTube and so many other things. So they they're they're not worried. I heard an interesting statistic yesterday that seventy percent of online sales go through Google, or they touch Google, whether it be YouTube, you know, Google Search, Google Shopping, you know, any of those. Seventy percent of sales come, you know. Touch I I would I believe it. Haven't looked at analytics accounts for hundreds of e-commerce sites. If you combine Google Organic and Google Paid Search, it's probably almost always going to be over 70%. Yeah. So, so going back maybe to uh, 
you're kind of talking about getting those keywords. How do you like hone in on what the keyword's gonna be? Because I assume like if you just do laptop, like in this scenario, like I'm sure everyone's going off of laptops, so you might need to like refine that a little bit. Are you just going through your mind and you're saying, I would search this? Or is there like some tool or something you're using to decide what your keywords are gonna be? Yeah, so Google has uh, what they call a keyword planner. It's a free tool that as part of their paid search, um, you know, if you're running ads on Google, you know, you'll have access to the keyword planner. Even if you're not running ads, you can still just kind of create an ads, Google ads account um, just so you can use the tool. And you know, they, they, want, they know that paid, market or paid search marketers are going to get uh, more, a higher ROI if they're targeting keywords that have lots of searches. Well, wow. regardless of if someone's searching it and clicking on a paid listing versus an organic listing, there's a number of people searching that keyword and the data is the same. So SEOs can easily use this free tool from Google and see exactly what they're looking for. So Google Keyword Planners, um, a, a good free one. I think um, Neil Patel has a, a, a good, yeah, he has a Uber Suggest, which is another free tool um, on his website where you can just put it in, you know, I, I could put in laptops and it's gonna show me all the related keywords to laptops that people are searching for. So I'd say Google Keyword Planner and Uber Suggest is probably the best place to start. Um, if you want to, you know, dial it up to a hundred and and come out of the gate sprinting, um, Hrefs, that's a h r e f s dot com. Um, they have a really powerful SEO suite and a really powerful keyword research tool that has a lot more capabilities. But if you're just starting, either Google Keyword Planner or uh, Uber Suggest should both work really well. Cool, that's awesome. Um, go for so us. as a uh, a brand that's just starting out. Um, would you, I mean, SEO is just kind of this very nuanced thing, right? there's just so many pieces to it as a brand that's it maybe hasn't focused on, um, SEO before, would you recommend that they, they kind of do their own thing for a little bit or that they jump to an agency? Um, I guess what, at what stage does it make sense for a brand to come in and, and start using an agency such as you guys? You know, that is a really good question. I'm not just saying that. I, I have probably, it's a question that a lot of clients should be asking that they aren't asking because a lot of times they, they get involved either too early or too late. Mm -hmm. um, if let's say you just start, you just built, your, your website just went live. I think it's good to have the bare minimum done. Have a, do a one, find an SEO, have like a one-time audit done um, to see, you know, is there any anything wrong with your website? Is there any technical issues? have them do keyword research to see which pages you need on your website and have them do the basic optimization to make sure those pages are optimized with the right keywords in the right places. So, you know, at, at the early stages, that's, you know, that's going to be a lot of it. Um, and you can, you can then coast for a while and see how far that gets you. you know, keep in mind, whatever changes you make to the website, it's going to take about three to six months to see the full impact from Google. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do it, wait a little bit. You're going to get a little lift. And then once things start plateauing, um, and what I'm saying right now, this is for your more budget-minded person. If you've got deep pockets, you can run out of the gate sprinting and go all in. But if you kind of want to dabble with it, which you know, after start launching a brand and buy, you know, purchasing a website, maybe you're going to be a little more cost-conscious. You might want to you know, wait until traffic starts to level out from that initial one-time audit SEO project. And then that might make more sense to engage an agency. Um, so you have, you know, you're at least a little further away. And you know, at that point, um, link, link building is always going to be valuable, just getting more backlinks. And as Google sees that, you'll rank better. But one thing that brands can do in-house is, is content development. 
So if you work with an SEO, they can do research and they can say, hey, here's all the types of questions and, and keywords your, your customers are searching for. Let's make sure we have that article of best laptops for engineers. Let's make sure we have that article, best laptops for students. And you know, you could either hire an in-house content writer or just freelance it and just start building uh, some content and that's gonna get you way further ahead. Yeah, I like that. It's funny because I'm, I'm flashing back to the first e-commerce business that I started back in 2014. We did a Kickstarter campaign. We, you know, we did re did really well, you know, and it kind of rolled out. I was in college at the time. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just do this at the same time. Didn't put enough time into it. And we hired, we we're very cost conscious. And we hired some guys over in India to help us out with SEO. Super cheap, not great. So they, and they like created content for us. And we would, they'd be like, hey, can you approve this? Uh, this blog post and we look at it and it's like, Oh man, like for them not speaking English as their you know native language, like it was good, but it just was so awkward. And so is yeah. that something that, uh, I mean, that was a big fail that we, that we did. We, we definitely shifted away from that, but is kind of relying on an agency an SEO specific agency, kind of like what you guys do. Would you, we expect them to be able to create content for you, or is that always going to be kind of more on the brand? Like you guys do the SEO, you and they, the brand is more in charge of trying to whether they have contractors, freelancers, or whatever creating that that specific content towards their product. I usually clients ask us like, you know, should you create content? Should we create content? And my first response is always, it's almost always better if the client can create the content. If they have someone in house who lives and breathes these products, who has deep knowledge of it, who's not BSing, there's no fluff, like they know, they know the answer. Like there's no way me as an agency owner, I can never write, my team can never write as well as a true product expert. There's just, there's just no way. You know, there, there are some products that like don't require any deep knowledge. Like if you're selling toilet paper, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I think anybody could, I don't know. could be a competent They're writer three ply like there's some intricacies <laughs> are, are you a seinfeld fan uh, <laughs> i am <laughs> nice yeah it, so yeah it, it depends on the product especially for like technical products that that might have more complexities you probably don't want agency touching it so if but, but there's also times where brands they just they don't have the capabilities they don't have the time to find someone they just need something so I guess what I'm saying is having an agency do content is better than nothing, but I don't think anything will beat having a true product expert in house mm -hmm. creating those kind of that type of content. Interesting. So kind of going back just one step to what you were saying, I, I love honestly your you saying that it's like, hey, right off the bat, like maybe you don't need an agency and you can do just XYZ and then you can coast for a while. Um, I think that's awesome advice because most agencies, I mean, like, no, no, you just like right off the bat, you need to use us, what a, you know, whatever. So I think that's very expert advice there. But then kind of taking it on the other side. So we, uh, for another business, we, COVID hit, we cut SEO. And uh, we really haven't picked it up much since. So we've done a little bit, kind of more maintenance, not anything crazy, mm -hmm. but we haven't seen any negative, like super negative effects from that in two years. So is SEO still important? Like, is that like a totally dumb thing that we did that we're gonna be like paying for it later? Or kind of what's your opinion on that situation? Because it it didn't help, like we were paying just way too much. First off, we, we had an agency that was we were just dumping money into. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't think we were getting the value out of it. And then we cut it and then we're like, hold on, like we just saved all this money and yet 
it's still fine. Like we're still ranking. We're still like, maybe we pulled back a few, maybe one page, not even one page, but like sure. a few terms, but it's like, for the most part, we're still doing well. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that situation is, is do you ever get to a point where you don't need to actively be doing SEO or hiring and having an agency doing it? That, I mean, that, that can happen. There is this effect in SEO um, where let's say you, you built, like, like I said, it takes about three to six months to see the full value of whatever SEO work you do. So let's say you did like a six month SEO campaign with an agency and they got all this value and your rankings are going up. Well, if you pause right at that six month mark, it's still probably going to continue to go up for another you know, three to six months just because it takes that long to get the full reward of the work that's been done. And just because you stop investing, it's not going to fall off a cliff. You're, you're probably going to coast for a while. So typically what we see is maybe another six months or so average. It could be shorter, it could be longer, but average six months increase after you stop investing. Then it'll plateau from maybe like 12 or 18 months. And then after that, it's going to start coming back down again. So from what you describe, timeline-wise, it you know you're it's probably been pretty flat, but eventually, you know, as your competitors are investing in SEO, as they're getting more backlinks, you know, every position they go up, everyone below them just got pushed down one position. So, like, you know, if your competitor went to number number two, everyone below that is now one position lower, and if someone else got to number three, everyone else is now another position lower. So, it's a uh, it's kind of a zero sum game. And um, by not doing anything and your competitors are, that will naturally push you down over time. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's, we're, we're kind of at the point where we're starting to do a little bit more and we're like, you know, we took a good two year break and saved a, a lot of money, especially as COVID, you know, cinched those belts a little bit. Um, and, and it's definitely something that we're looking at a little bit more in the future, but it, it's kind of become one of those things that it's like, we got so much more going on that the SEO is on the back burner. In, in a sure. lot of ways, which um, makes that's when it makes sense to bring in an agency. And uh, honestly, I, I don't know if I'd ever bring in like an SEO expert, like in house just because I don't do you ever see do you work with any brands that have it or have opted for in house SEO experts, like I'm sure once you get big enough, it would make sense. But for a yeah. brand that's doing, you know, two to $50 million in revenue a year, like is an agency like the best way to go or is there ever a situation where it doesn't make sense to use an agency? It, it really depends. Like there are times when it's better to have someone in house. So like, let's, if you're going to have like a top notch in-house SEO who like knows all the best practices, knows all the tools, like they, they have it handled and that person's going to cost you probably around like 70,000 a year. And to, for, for their time to be worthwhile, you either have to have like one really large site um, that has like lots of sections. So like, you know, you kind of have to be a larger retailer or maybe you have a, an e-commerce site that has, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of pages. Then you can make an argument that maybe you want that high level person. Um, or if you're, a, if, if you're, have a portfolio of brands, like a lot of people will have like, you know, six, six to 10 different websites. Yes. Then you're probably going to want to have one full-time SEO person. But one of the benefits of, of going with an agency you know, a lot of, I'll give you an analogy. You know, one thing that's been big, big lately is fractional CFOs. Someone doesn't want to spend like, you know, 40 or however, like hundred thousand plus on a CFO when you can just get a few hours of a CFO's time and they're going to tell you what you need. You know, having a full-time SEO who has that top tier knowledge that can do technical analysis, having them writing title tags is like having a CFO do bookkeeping. It's just, you're, you're, they're just way overpaid for it and you can get someone to do it for much cheaper. So the advantage of an agency is 
you know, you have this kind of package of hours and you're getting a little bit of the SEO director's time for the strategy. You're getting a little bit of the technical SEO's time for the audits and, and, and whatnot, and the, a little bit of the developer's time to implement it and the con, you know, the content team. So instead of paying full price and having uh -huh. a way over qualified person do everything, you're only paying, you know, it, it's way more scalable and way more economical when you break it down. Yeah. So I, think, gonna... I think, Oh, I was, you. <laughs> Me? All right. <laughs> we'll edit that out, right? Um, so on the agency side, I, I definitely get that argument of, of where, you know, you can get 10 experts for the price of an agency, basically. Um, me, I hate working with agencies. It's because it takes time on for my management. And I feel bad because I, I work with agencies. So saying that, I, you know, I apologize, Greg, and you know, all those <laughs> other guys that I work with. Like, it's I, all you guys the other agencies that you don't work with. <laughs> yeah, it's all the agencies <laughs> that I don't work with that I hate. Um, I, mean, I mean, granted, agencies... For disclaimer for any brand out there, they're not going to take 100% off of your plate. You're still going to have to manage that relationship. So having that expectation first off. Second is there are a lot of agencies that just don't like, honestly, the like, for example, the one that we were using, in my opinion, we were way overpaying. And it turns out they like looking at the past six months to a year, like they really hadn't done much. And so how do you find a good agency? Like what's, uh, what is a way to kind of weed out the mediocre and really to, to make sure that you're going with an agency that's going to be a great long-term partner? Very good question as well. And you know, one thing I, I'd say SEO agencies in general have a bad rap. Um, I, I bet most people that have worked with an SEO agency have been burned. Um, the typical story is you have a sales pitch. You, you know, it's, it's super exciting. You're, you're talking with their A player. It looks amazing. They're showing the case studies. You get all excited. And then you get passed off to the B team. And they're giving you these fancy reports and fancy deliverables. But if you dig deeper, there's not a lot going on beyond that. It's kind of more for show and less tangible work's being done. And a lot of people have had the same type of experience. So if you want to get a, a, a good, a, I guess, a, an excellent agency from just an okay agency, um, having a plan, making sure they have a plan in place before you start is good. You know, a lot of times the contract or proposal just be, Oh, we'll do meta optimization, link building, and content creation. It doesn't say how much of each. It doesn't say which pages. It doesn't say when they're going to do it. It's just so ambiguous. It gives them so much room and, and wiggle room to kind of get away with doing nothing. Uh, one thing that you know, we do, and I, I'd hope other agencies do as well, is before we even send any contract, we've already built a week-by-week -week SEO plan where you can see, you know, week one, we're doing this. Week two, we're doing this. Week three. So it's a full-on Gantt chart. So somebody knows exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how many pages are optimized. So to kind of answer your question, you want to work with an SEO company that is going to give you a tangible plan that doesn't have room for them to kind of get by without doing anything. Yeah, that's great. So for you, I guess, kind of reversing that role, what kind of clients do you look for as an agency? Because I feel like a lot of the time is brands think like, oh, my great fit, but really for the agency, you may not be a great fit. For you, do you have like any criteria that you're looking for when you onboard a new client? You're saying, hey, you're either this this size of employees or this many orders or, or budget. Um, how do you kind of qualify a, a client on your end? Yeah, I'll answer that from two, two perspectives. One is from the main point of contact we're working with and another one is from the, the business itself. So the type of client that it can be difficult to get results is one that doesn't let us take the reins and you know they they know enough with SEO to be dangerous, 
but they're not open to new ideas. It's like they're the ones running the show. They're the ones guiding it. And you know, there can be clashes where they want us to do one thing and you know, we've done enough that we, know we need to do something else. And we have to spend a lot of our time justifying ourselves. And you know, instead of us doing the work and making improvements and getting the ball rolling, we spend a lot of time just trying to justify ourselves, cite research, cite case studies. And you spend so much of your time getting getting cut up in the minutia that you know we can't get the results we want. So you know, if the campaign fails, the client you know client will be upset. It's like, oh, we hired you, you couldn't do it. You know, we we want the opportunity to either let us succeed or fail by our own doing, and you know, get, let let us you know try the plan that we work to see that we can get the results that that you hired us to get. Um, so that's the one thing is just kind of having tr trust is huge. You know, if you're going to hire an expert, like make sure you trust them to be the expert. Um, otherwise, maybe bring it in house if that's the case. Um, and as far as business business size, um, our our SEO services start at five thousand per month. So for it to be economically viable, uh, we're typically looking at clients in like the seven figure range. Um, we also, before we take on any clients, and we actually say no to probably just as many clients as we take on, um, because someone will want to work with us. Um, either the keywords they're going after are are too competitive, and they just won't have the budget for it to make sense. Or um, a lot of times we'll look at the keywords, and the keywords they're targeting aren't very popular. No one's really searching for it. And maybe instead of doing SEO, they're better off doing like Facebook ads or display ads to try to get their product in front of people. So we only, on, on a business side, we want to work with clients that you know, have a budget for it to be economically feasible, are targeting keywords that have a lot of search popularity, where if we get them to rank, it's going to drive lots of traffic and revenue. And then also make sure that those keywords aren't too competitive, where we have the resources to make a meaningful impact. That's awesome. That, I think that's great that on both sides, uh, uh, your clients or people, brands looking for an agency, they know what they want out of an agency and the agency knows what they need out of their clients. I think that's a lot of just with agency work in general is aligning those expectations and uh, saying no is actually very powerful on both sides. Um, once you kind of identify this is our golden, our golden client, our golden customer um, is how you can nurture and have a, a good long lasting relationship in those, in those areas. That's, that's awesome. That you guys have that. Um, well, yeah, I think to kind of, I, I've learned a lot, honestly, on this. I am now going to go do some SEO. I feel like I will, like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, I want to make all these links go here and there and like, do all yep. these Use shenanigans the now. Yeah, I know. I think my mind now is like, oh, so that's how these websites all talk to each other and drive stuff a lot better. So that, thanks for that, those explanations. Um, but I guess kind of wrap wrap things up, uh, how we close out our, our shows is we kind of go over three, three simple questions. So uh, Jeff, for you, if you had to start a product-based business right now, what would it be? I mean, you're going on beer pong and you're going on 3D printing. <laughs> so I feel like this could be anything. So excited to see what you say on this one. You know, I have, um, gosh, I think, I, I don't I don't have a particular product in mind, but I'll tell you the elements that it would have. Okay. It'd be something that a lot of people are, you know, with my skill set of SEO, it'd be something that a lot of people are searching for that is going to have low competition so it's probably going to be something newer that's not too saturated yet or it could be be something boring you'd be surprised there's a lot of boring niches out there that people are sleeping on because they're not that exciting like sprinkler accessories replacement air filters but there's a huge market for these types of things and it's not that saturated so probably something in that kind of regard i'd want a product that you can't easily just get locally at like a target or home depot something that you almost have to go online for and um i'd want a, a cost between you know call it 
uh, maybe fifty to two hundred dollar range. Uh, that that can make it easier for doing like a a, pro a blogger product review campaign where you can just send out your product to bloggers and and have them write about it. So yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of products that fit into the, that criteria, but that's kind of what I'd be looking for. My mind's now like turning, like, okay, what's he gonna do? What's he gonna make? Like, <laughs> off of that's like, oh, that's, that's an interesting I don't, part. I, I don't get it. I think beer pong fits all of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? It did. But the one thing I learned is uh, broke college students don't want to shell out 100 to 150 <laughs> bucks on a, a fancy schmancy beer pong mm -hmm. table. That's, that's true. That's true. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's, I think one thing I've kind of realized in business is like the, the things, the non sexy is actually kind of sexy sometimes. Like yep. for, for me, like I, I did fulfillment and shipping and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, putting stuff in boxes and shipping it and getting the smallest box possible. I'm like, I get stoked about that. And a lot of people don't think like there's a lot of money in supply chain. Like there's like, there's some wealthy people just being truck drivers right now. Yeah. You don't think about all the opportunities and like the non-sexy parts of business, but there's a lot of opportunity in that. So, um, and that's, that's awesome advice. So. Our second question is uh, that we wrap up with is what's uh, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's starting a business right now? SEO advice or just general business advice? Um, I'll both. You know, I'd be interested on on both sides. Okay, on, on the business side, I mean, there's there's so many cliches and so many typical things, but if I just reflect on my own career, it would be fail faster and treat every failure like an educational expense. Um, you know, if you're just starting a business, hopefully, hopefully it succeeds, but if it doesn't, that's okay too. It just got you one step closer to the, the business that is going to take off. And, you know, I've had so many failure, failing websites. And even though, you know, with that beer punk site, even though I sold it, I was still at a net loss when you add in all the expenses I spent into it over the, over the years. So my, my baseball blog, you know, that one failed because I spent way more time, only made 50 bucks. My uh, beer, my beer pong site failed because there's just so many costs and you know, didn't get, you got definitely got sales, but not enough to, to break even on that one. My 3D printing site failed because I got hit with so many chargebacks, but it eventually 180 marketing took off and, and that was the, the gold nugget. So um, failing faster and, you know, have the emotional resilience that just because you fail, it's not a reflection of you. It's uh, it's just an educational expense. You, know, you, you take the loss and you move on to the next one. Yeah, I love that. I think it's either you get the uh, the results you wanted or the experience you needed or the lesson you needed. And I, think I, I love that. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, well, that's awesome. Um, and then you kind of to wrap up, um, what can our audience do for you? Are you are you hiring? Are you looking for more clients? What kind of clients are you looking for? Or anything like that? What can our audience do for you, Jeff? Yeah, so if anyone is listening to this and um, you know you need help on with SEO, um, our website's 180marketing.com. Um, I, I myself, I'm the one that like if you if you fill out our contact form, it goes directly to me. We'd hop on a call. I'd, I'd learn more about your site, and we'll we'll see if it's a good fit. You know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, and that's okay. But um, if you just want to get a conversation started, you can just go to 180marketing.com and reach out to us. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for for jumping on. We we learned a lot. Um, it was entertaining, and it was a uh, it was good chatting and learning more about about SEO. Definitely got my mind spinning about okay, what's be my next product I want to come out with that fits that criteria? Like, what's the most non-sexy thing I can think of right now? <laughs> I want to make a product <laughs> off of that. That's right. <laughs> um, but I think that was, that was very helpful. So thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and visit us at sharehouse.com to join the community today.